Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, epigenetics, the Martin Brundle F1 gridwalk, car park wars and what has Duckboy done now? Now, Lippy. Hello. I think we owe the listeners a bit of an explanation from last week. I did have we a do. panicked message from the uh, Screaming Tomato asking if we were okay. And unfortunately, there was quite a lot going on last week. Uh, my mum's mm. not in the best of health, and I had to dash over for an emergency care meeting on Tuesday, which is the day that we would have recorded last week, which is also your birthday. So happy it belated was. birthday for last week. Thanks. In honesty, listeners, you've probably gained because you haven't had Lippy banging on about her birthday for 40 minutes or so. So, uh, yes, every cloud has silver lining. And then we were going to do it Wednesday, and then you got caught in the mother of all traffic jams around the M3, M25 area, and you were so late back that um, both of our brains Absolute carnage. Yes, it wasn't good. So, uh, and it was a horrendous accident. So we, <laughs> yes, we after... Feel for anybody involved in that... Mm. Being a bit delayed is uh, is okay, but uh, but that's why there was nothing last week. So quite a yes. bit of this is going to be what you would have heard last week because there is some follow on. So I would like to start with the cats and cucumbers <laughs> thing that we did. Turns out that wife of Grumpy is a bit of an expert in this area, and she may well have put me onto this originally, and I've just filed it away and not put a sauce on it so she then showed me loads of videos on (laughs) youtube and the other socials with cats leaping quite some distance in the air when they spot this cucumber apparently she has tried it with our cat quite spectacularly and and no but the cat just looked at it went it's cucumber just wandered off so there was no jumping now we were out to dinner a couple of weeks ago with some vets and i asked them how is it that some cats will treat that as a predator and other cats won't? Because you poo-pooed this idea. I did. It's a thing called epigenetics, and it was explained very well to me, and I'll try not make a complete hash of it. But basically what it is, is little switches in the DNA that gets passed down from uh, parent to child with Mm -hmm. possible fears and other bits and pieces in there. And one of those things is, is a fear of snakes. And as you quite rightly said, if you've had a cat that's only ever been indoors or lives in an area, which is most of the UK, where there are no snakes, how can a cat be frightened of it? Well, the truth is it comes down the the gene line, as it were. So one of its ancestors would have been aware of snakes being a predator, and that would have been passed down using epigenetics. And it's the same with humans, same with every species. But how many years... Until that wipes out, surely it it should stop at some point. At some point, they'll forget it's a predator. Well, potentially. And I don't know what happens if you've got cats from different areas, so they have a different set of epigenetics. So if, if both parents have the fear of cucumbers turned on, then it's likely that their offspring will be frightened of cucumbers. But if one has it and one doesn't, I don't know what takes precedence. So I'm not an expert in these matters. I'm not even an amateur, to be honest, um, because I had two different expo- explanations from the two vets, and one I understood, and the other one just went completely over my head. And yes. You know who we're talking about, and you'll know. I know exactly, and I know which one will have gone over your head as well. But I feel like anyway, you wanted to talk about Martin Brundle. Oh, 
who I think should be list classed as a national treasure these days. Like he is quite agree. He is a cracking man, and not many people know who he is because it just depends if you like Formula One and cars and racing. This weekend, so. Chris and I don't normally watch the pit walks because, I don't know, to be honest, I quite enjoy that part of it. Chris very much likes the race and only the race. And we don't watch the the bit before and we don't watch the bit after. But I enjoy watching the pit walks and I enjoy watching the bit after. So he gets up and does stuff and I carry on watching because I like watching the interviews and all the other gossip. So he does the pit walks and this week, for some reason, we decided to turn it on. Um, and because it's Miami... This pit walk was just at a whole other level. There were so many people there. It was like, who wasn't invited to do the pit walk? Because the list of who was invited... actually on the grid. Yeah, on the grid. Yeah. Yeah, it was absolute carnage. He's walking around, doesn't have a clue who anyone is, interviewed someone that he thought was an NFL player, actually turned out to be a basketball player. (laughs) I don't even know what NFL is. Oh, it's American football. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, National Football League. Oh, yeah. So he spotted a quite a jazzy looking man and said, you look like an interesting man. Who are you? So this guy turns around and goes, I'm an internet sensation. To which Martin Brundle says, and a modest one at that, and walks off. Quite right, in my view. Absolutely quite Chris right. Chris and I are absolutely wetting ourselves on the sofa. Like, this is the best pit walk I think I've seen. And I know he has in the past done some very funny pit walks um and there's a few clips come out since being like oh if you liked that one re-watch this one um but honestly it was it was absolutely something else yeah i've got a lot of time for martin brundle he was a very good racing driver i don't know if he still drives or not i suspect he mm. he does every now and then um and he was involved in an incident when he was driving for, for one of the Formula One teams, where he ended up with a tyre mark across the top of his helmet where the car had gone over the top. Oh, God. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so he, mm. he got in there and he fought. And I also saw him break down, in terms of mechanical breakdowns, mm. at Le Mans, and I think it was 1999 when we went, which was the year the Mercedes started flipping over, which was uh. quite uh, spectacular, if a bit dangerous. And mm. um, Yes, just, yeah, just at the bottom of the Muslane Strait. Interestingly, I had a I had a post from Orange Marshall One who was out marshalling at Miami this weekend. Was he? And I think he managed to do a screen drab from the telly. Yeah, stood yeah. next to a car with one very wonky wheel. Oh, that could have been Lando spun out. Uh, could have been, yes. Not, yes. not entirely sure. To be honest, the best way to describe the whole thing was, especially Martin Brundle, a very British person. How you would expect them to act a lot around a lot of Americans. Yeah. Yes, quite. Just overly sarcastic. But why are all these people on the grid? I don't understand why they're all there. And at one point he said, I can't find a driver for the life of me, but I'm not surprised they're probably trying to avoid this. Yes, you think they are. The last thing you want is lots of people who don't really know what they're talking about wandering around asking daft questions. Yeah. uh, When you're trying to focus. And I was talking to Wife of Grumpy about this. I don't understand why they do that whole grid thing at all where they don't come out of the pits, drive around, line up, go. Mm. Make more sense. I don't know why. It just seems an unnecessary faff to me. And I was a bit disappointed with the race. I I didn't watch very much of it. I looked at the the map of the new circuit, because this is a brand new circuit. It's built in a car park somewhere. 
And it, and I looked at it, I thought that looks like a cracking circuit. There's great long straight mm -hmm. and quite a few twisty bits. And within about ten minutes, the cars were so far apart, you just go, it's just going to be roundy, roundy. I don't, it I don't was. know what you need to do to make it more interesting. And even to be honest, the safety car didn't make it that more interesting. Yeah, I, well, I didn't see that at all. So mm -mm. I don't know. I, do, I mean, I have a number of answers. One of them is weight penalties, which is what they do with touring cars. So if you win, you get a weight penalty. Mm. I'd also mix up the grid a bit. So one race a year at random, you go, right, people that um, were on pole position are now starting from the back mm. to reverse the grid. And snakes in the car as well. Snakes in the... That's my favourite. Just just one or two. Yeah, it doesn't need to be all of them. Just just one or two. Or maybe there's always a snake in the car, but in a in a cage and just at random it will be released and you don't know which race and you and you don't know yes. when but at yes. some point a snake could be released into your yeah box I whatever think so. it's called yeah I like yes that. into the cockpit i like it i can't see us getting that through but now i've been out delivering leaflets again this this week weekend a week uh, we've got our classics on the drive event again in the village and um couple of things i've noticed on my travels so firstly mm. which i've covered in the past letterboxes at the bottom of the door ridiculous idea yeah no definitely not a fan the second one was i approached this house and in the window was it their internet router and very clearly written on the back was the the network name and the password <laughs> Which, unless you've changed it, is a very bad idea. Very bad idea. And I'm not overly keen on dogs that run at me. Uh, I tend mm, to no. revert to a child a bit and, and want to panic. And I approached one house and I could hear the dog barking. And the door had some opaque glass on it. And then I saw these two paws appear just <laughs> under the letterbox against the glass of this growling going on. So I lifted the letterbox very gently and pushed the leaflet through. And it obviously got far enough. The dog just grabbed it and ripped it out of my hand. And you could just hear this dog tussling leaflet. I, I can't imagine there was much left of it. But, I'm intrigued um, I to know how much post that house actually receives, if that's happening. <laughs> It's a great way of getting rid of bills. Yeah, yeah. The very good. Uh, my dog ate it. Excuse. No, he mm. actually did eat it. I think I'd have a box on the back of the door, so he couldn't do that. Yeah, they just don't look very nice. Those wire. I'd rather have a box on the outside of the house than. Yes, well, that's a much better all round. Because mm. the other thing I found with the new doors is that it's so hard to get a flimsy leaflet through that you end up trying to push your hand and fingers through. It takes twice as long. Mm. Now we were over a couple of weekends ago. Yeah. We were delivering birthday presents, weren't we? And the duck whisperer had a bit of a rant. He did. He did. And I, the, the words he said were less Lippy's top tip, more what has Duck Boy done now. <laughs> so he's rechristened himself Duck Boy. He has, all on his own. Has, has kind of stuck, hasn't it? It really has, actually. I think it is definitely easier to remember than Duck Whisperer as well. Duck Boy, yeah. Well, it's, it's boy. got a bit of mystique about it because you think he might be a superhero. He'll quack at you. Yeah, yeah, something, something <laughs> along those lines, and then nickel your bread. Yeah, <laughs> poo all over your floor. Yes, yeah, very slippery as well. So, sorry, Chris, you are now Duck Boy. Mm -hmm. And we had some wine tasting, didn't we, on we last did. week on the Friday? And there was a bottle, I think, called Decoy, with a very nice picture of a duck on it. Which yes. 
went, went down very Which well. Which I think Chris drank almost all of it to himself, so... I think he did, so he obviously mm. enjoyed it. Yes. A good news on that, that was uh, the wine tasting was hosted by your cousin, my nephew, uh, known as Joe the Wine Guy, and he's agreed to come on here to talk about the Paris uh, Judgment, which was a very interesting, pivotal it point was. In, in, of, of wine in Europe and America. Yeah. Uh, it was very interesting story, so we'll get him on. Uh, well, the whole thing was very... I was very impressed at how much I learnt... I was just expecting to get a bit tiddly, but I actually learned quite a lot as well. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of wine. There's no two ways about it. Mm. And But it's not only the wine, it's everything that goes around it, or the, the economy of the American wines, for example, which was very interesting. Uh, it's it's a good evening, I have to say. It was. And it was good wine as well. And it we was. all surprised ourselves with the wine that we liked. Yes, and not so much surprised ourselves. Well, apart from your... Yes, you're not too keen on the old Lady Petrol. No. Well, I know I like Lady Petrol. I just don't like that specific one. It is quite sweet, isn't it? Mm. Uh, this is a couple of weeks old now, but I had my ins- personal Instagram account cloned. You did? Quite, quite interesting. Mm. Um, so they decided to stick a, an underscore in front of my name and they, they took the profile or my profile picture... Uh, they didn't take any other pictures, which apparently sometimes they do, so the account looks identical. So I think it was a Saturday afternoon, I got a call from a friend of mine saying, why are you giving me advice on financial matters? <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm t- <laughs> I've been at the allotment all day. What were you talking about? He went, yeah, well, I, I had a friend re- friend request. And I went, oh, yeah, well, I haven't changed my account, so this is something a bit dodgy. So and then I had two or three more, mm. and so I put in a... Uh, a complaint is that the right word you count um not flagged it you would have i protested in the strongest way possible (laughs) let's put it that way and i asked people i know to do the same thing and it had gone within a couple of days i don't know whether he'd given up and closed it or there's something no i think instagram are very they're very good at fake accounts and being on top of fake accounts just takes them a bit longer to actually get round to it. What I did, but I think in hindsight was a bit daft, is I changed my profile picture. If I'm saying, well, he's he's actually mimicked me, if I'd left my profile picture uh, on there, it would have been yeah. very obvious. <laughs> where, but what I wanted to do is to show the people that know me that it was my account. It was your, so. yeah. So we're stuck with a picture of a goose at the moment. You are. I did reason. actually think that was a bit weird when I saw it, and then I, I didn't even think to question it. That's how random you are sometimes. I just thought, well, oh, he's changed it to a goose. When I scrolled down what was on my phone, and I thought that'll do. That'll do, and a goose. Yeah, that'll do, because it is, it's so different that it yeah. highlights the difference between the accounts, but I'm not sure if that was the right thing to do. Nevertheless, it has gone now. But a friend of ours had uh, his business page, well, his mm. personal account hacked, and then the business page, they changed the admin on it. And that took him nearly a month to get control back of that. And um, we had a conversation in the pub about it. And the guy, all he did, I say guy, could have been a lady, was to post um, links to Netflix films in there. Um, there was no nothing else. He tried to do an ad campaign, but the credit card was closed down pretty quickly. And my mate was most disgruntled because he said... They were getting 30 million views. We're only getting about 10. So <laughs> how's he done that? And I said, well, the thing is, is that everybody that likes 
Netflix, it would have potentially appeared in their newsfeed. Mm. It would have, yeah. So it's 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 very different. So all you do is get on Netflix and you'll be fine. <laughs> yes, that took a very that long easy while. task. Yeah, and apparently Facebook wasn't very helpful either. Which is no, I don't think cool. they are in those situations. No. Now, many years ago, when I had a a very old Peugeot three hundred six diesel, yeah, and cost of fuel went up, mm. I decided to experiment with putting cooking oil in it. I remember this. And which worked really well. So I put half a tank of diesel in and then fill the rest up with cooking oil. There was two problems with this. One is lots of other people were doing it as well. So cooking oil just disappeared from the shelves like there was no tomorrow. The second thing, you arrive at your destination slightly hungry. Because it smells like a chip shop. It smells like a chip shop or bacon or donuts, depending on how hot it is. (laughs) And... Obviously, fuel's got up a lot uh, recently, and people are doing the same thing. But this is being compounded by the fact that the Ukraine provides a lot of vegetable oil, so it's becoming more scarce. So, oh. unfortunately, some of the supermarkets have been limiting how much you can buy, which is understandable. Yeah. The thing is, you can't get away with the old diesel thing like you used to, because modern diesels now are very sophisticated. And if you stick vegetable oil in, and some people used to put in used chip oil as well, which you have to filter. Uh, But if you put that in there, it's probably going to wreck the car. So this is not a recommendation. It's not a top tip. It's not a top tip. In fact, it's the opposite of a top tip. Um, But it is interesting how people have been throwing them in old Land Rovers and that. There's been a number of postings on on the socials with people going, oh, I'm running my car on vegetable oil. Yep. Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, wouldn't wouldn't recommend doing it unless it's a very old car. And talking of old cars, I was watching a video on YouTube about Colin McRae, who was uh, a Scottish rally driver, sadly no longer with us, who became world champion in I think it was ninety five or ninety six. Mm. And they were talking about his first rally. Now, Colin's dad, Jimmy was a renowned driver in the 80s a very very good driver and Colin, uh, Jimmy and his wife were away for the weekend so this is the first time Colin's been in a car so they found this this local rally and it's a great little circuit but there is a bit of uh, driving on the road which is not unusual for a rally mm. so Colin's borrowed a an Avenger rally prepared Avenger that's got quite a lot of pedigree it's a good car gets to the circuit, realises that he's got to drive on the road. This car doesn't have tax or an MOT. But fortunately, the tow car is an Avenger estate. So they take the number plates from the tow car and the tax disc and swap them over. No. So he, comp- yeah, he competes with the wrong number plates and tax disc on. Oh, that's so funny. Yep, yeah, and first rally, won his class, came 13th overall. But didn't and get disqualified. Didn't get disqualified, and then I think it was ten years later was world rally champion. Wow! And I, and preferably with an actually taxed and insured car. Yes, it was. Yes, it absolutely was. God, I've forgotten about tax um, tax discs. Yes, it's, it's so long gone. When you see one, you go, "Oh, what's that?" I, it's got to be ten years. Mm, yeah, because safe. we did have them when I started driving, and I've not been driving for yes, ten years just That's yet. Almost next year. Mm. Mm. Yes, it's not ten years at all. Maybe a bit over next year because I, I took a while to pass my driving test. 
Well, we won't go into that. So we must be four weeks into your new job? Yes, I had my uh, performance review last Wednesday. Excellent. And all good? Yeah, all good. They're happy with me. Uh, One comment I received is it's really good that I'm not reactive, which I was a bit concerned about at the very start of that sentence. But then after it was explained in the sense that I got an email asking for something, which was outrageous to ask for. Like, outrageous. And I already was on this task anyway, doing bits for it. So I created a spreadsheet, put my thoughts in, and then put what was requested in afterwards with pricing and stuff. It was a request for something with pricing and stuff for what they had requested and then what I was suggesting we should do rather than what was requested and sent that off. So I think that's... What that's what was meant is that I didn't just instantly email my manager being like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, this is ridiculous. Should I just tell them no? Like I put both proposals forward to this, to the um, finance director and basically let him pick which one he wanted to go with. Yeah, quite right. Obviously mine. Because yeah. Yes, but well, you some can always people. wait it. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, very positive. I'm enjoying I'm loving the job. It's great. I love working two days at home and three days in the office, doing lots of fun, different things, but none of it's too mentally taxing, which is also quite nice. Yes. Well, it's nice to slip into a job easily. Mm. Um, see what I mean? Yes. I've, I've done many contracts and you sometimes you have to hit the ground running, which is quite hard. Always like to have had time off in between contracts, but I very rarely managed it. I think there was only one where... I was out of work for a little bit. Yeah, it is nice to ease your way into a job rather mm. than full on from day one. Definitely. Talking of notes and messages, uh, there's an article here on Reddit um, where a chap says, found an angry note on my car today. So the note was, this is a public car park. You have taken parking spaces for two weeks. This is not fair on residents whom rely on this car park. The council have been informed. And uh, the reply was, to the writer of this note, firstly, I would like to thank you in this for the vigour in which you are defending residents' rights to park in this public car park. I have not taken parking spaces for two weeks, as you claim, but actually two years with this vehicle and six years if we're including my previous vehicle. I agree that it is annoying when there aren't any spaces left in this car park. However, that is the nature of a public car park and it's something that we all have to live with. For at least three nights last week, I had to park on a road. Whilst I appreciate your opinion, I will be continuing to use this car park where spaces permit for the foreseeable future. I would have thought that my house being 200 feet away from this car park qualified me as a resident. Yeah. If you'd like to discuss this in more detail, I would welcome the opportunity to hear what the council responses was to being informed that a car has been parked in a public car park. (laughs) You can just imagine the person at the council going... Oh no! And I almost guarantee this this individual has written many of these letters. Yes, and has made them um, very unpopular with the local council. How? I just I've never got it to be fair. But how do they know that they don't live around there? Well, they don't, do they? That's the thing. They just assume. Yeah. Oh, some people. Yeah, I know, and it's a public car park. So yeah. what do they? What are they actually going to do? Well, yeah. Well, what give do they them expect? A, give them 
don't know nothing i wouldn't if i was a council i would literally not respond to that letter i don't think no. the council respond to many letters anyway so that's i couldn't possibly comment but uh, <laughs> that is a complete waste of everybody's time yeah absolutely ridiculous so please people don't complain about cars in public car parks it's ridiculous <laughs> you'll get laughed at on lippy and grumpy you will do you will get laughed at there's no two ways about it <gasps> And whilst we're on the car theme, because there does seem to be a few of those. There's quite a lot of cars this week. Yeah, I've slipped them in. I've not done any for a while. Sneaky sneak. Yeah, sneaky sneak. This is about self-driving Tesla. Oh, interesting. Yes. So the Tesla, I believe, has a summon function where you can get the car to come to you if you're about 200 feet away. Like the Batmobile. A bit like the Batmobile. And I think... Possibly the reason this has been done is if you look at the size of the is it the Tesla X, the one with the gullwing doors, oh, yeah. they are very wide. Mm. So once you're in the car park spot, it's very difficult to get out of the car. But you could line it up, get out of the car, and then park. push it backwards and forwards with the remote control. A little yeah. bit, I suppose, like those caravan movers, which are really quite cool. Yeah. So anyway, there's a video um, going around from an airport in, uh, in America where somebody summons the Tesla and off it goes and it crashes into a $2 million private jet. And apparently the reason is, is that because obviously the jet sits quite high above the ground and it's quite reflective, it just doesn't look that high for things, which is a little bit of a worry. It is a bit, yeah. So if it was like a bridge. Yeah, I guess you'd unlikely to have a bridge that low, but it's not unheard of. It is a possibility. It's a good point. It's going to happen, though, isn't it? As as these sort of things are getting developed, you're going to get loads of things. You're like, oh, I didn't even think that that would be an issue. But there we go. It's just crashed into a private jet. Absolutely. I don't know who's liable, though. Well, surely the car. The car can't be liable. No, sorry, the person that owns the car. Yes, I would thought so. But if, you know, if it's a function on the car. So it's a bit like electric handbrakes, for example. If, hmm. the, if you put the electric handbrake on and that fails, if it's been applied properly and it's a feature of the car, whose fault is it? So if but, you've got a function that says it will come to you and it will go round objects, because it doesn't just do the straight line, it will go round objects that you can see, just it's not looking upwards. But I assume that'll be something then that you, as the owner of the car, take up with the manufacturer Yes. to claim the funds back. But if your car is the one that's hit something that's stationary it's still your responsibility to cover the damage of what your property has damaged it's still your property that's made that damage so it's still on you to cover but then it would be you to then take up with the manufacturer and claim that back i I would have thought so a bit of me feels that suddenly not quite right here if someone crashed into me and then went oh i was on autopilot it's not my fault it's the car's fault I mean, you're still paying. Yes, I, yeah, I would imagine that's the case. Interestingly, further down this article, it says, earlier this year, Tesla was forced to recall thousands of cars because its self-driving software was rolling past stop signs. The rolling stop feature allows vehicles to go through junctions with stop signs at up to 5.6 miles per hour. That's a very specific number. That's actually but, quite fast as well to be rolling yeah. past a stop sign. Well, you think that was about the speed of that boat 
on the broads. That and that caused some we, damage. Yeah, we, I think it was probably going slower than that. But Tesla agreed to the recall after two meetings with officials from the US National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You'd be fuming, wouldn't you, if they were, you kept getting tickets at stop signs because you're rolling, your car just rolled past them. Yeah, I don't... But it's the rolling stop feature. I might have to research that a little bit more. See, yeah, see so else do you, like, push it? You, like, push the button? Well, you know you're coming up to a stop sign, so you push the button. I don't know. <laughs> How do you I activate a rolling stop? I, I, go, I go to look into it a little bit more. Teslas are uh, another, another world, aren't they, of technology for cars? Yes. Yes, they are. And I was watching a review of one of the Teslas. Uh, in fact, it was the same guy that did the Colin McRae um, piece. And he was saying people buy Teslas not necessarily because they are the best electric cars, because mm. they're, they're not, but there is a good charging infrastructure and the software that comes with them that allows you to plan a journey. So if you're going a long distance, it will tell you where to stop and it knows where the charges are being used or not. So it can yeah. make a judgment about, do I go a little bit further and use those ones or do I use these ones? And he said it's, it's great it's because you have no range anxiety, which you tend to have with other manufacturers because you arrive at the charging points and you have no idea whether they're going to be full or not yeah whereas the, the teslas they know the network is really very good mm. well duck boy has made a decision that Ooh. his next car is going to be a tesla really yes he he's decided he would like one as his next car so i know two people that have got them. actually i know three people with them and they all thoroughly love them mm. and one of them certainly was a bit troublesome to begin with and i think it was off the road for about three weeks whilst they waited for bits mm. um, which is you know can happen on any model to be honest at the moment because there is definite supply issues with mm. parts uh, but they all absolutely love them yeah so in three years we'll let you know <laughs> excellent well i think is that for the duck boy journey that's perfect yes absolutely perfect mm. uh, yeah good call i would have said so lippy Yes. Have you got a non-Duck Boy related top tip? No. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, Duck Boy. <laughs> Sorry, Duck Boy. I think he knows this is coming because I did oh, mention dear. that it it was too funny not to share. Excellent. Um, you were witness to what happened on, uh, we previously mentioned we did a wine tasting. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The memory's coming back. <laughs> A really great wine tasting. We tried two whites, yes, a rosé and three reds. Correct. I'm trying to remember. Um, and it was the, the first or the, I think it was the second white we tried. Yes, it was, yeah. Um, and we were talking about acidity and how to kind of know how much acidity is in the wine. And it was really good, again, because you were, you were I feel like you were learning how to tell if, it was a good quality wine over yes. just enjoying the taste of the wine. We all loved it. So um, the test is to take a sip of your wine and then put your head down and open your mouth. And however long you can leave your mouth open for kind of helps you judge the acidity. So you dribble quite quickly if there's a lot of yes. acidity, acidity in the wine, which means you have to mo close your mouth quickly. And therefore, it's high acidity. So I look over. We've, we've just been told to do this. 
you and I tried it at the same time, basically very quickly realised, oh yeah, no, you can really tell it's got a lot of acidity and it can Absolutely, you dribble yeah. quite quickly. Look at Chris. And he's there like putting his head down and then back up again and then down and back up and like really awkwardly trying to open his mouth. And I was like, are you trying to open your mouth with wine in it? And then the penny dropped and he just looked at me and we all burst out laughing as he's there. Not He didn't hear swallow your wine or like take a sip and swallow your wine and then try it. And afterwards he had said he didn't understand how easy you and I were doing it. With your, like our mouths were fully open while we were trying to do this test and he couldn't work out how we had our mouths open with yeah. wine in it. And oh my gosh. It honestly is the highlight of the tasting for me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so to, to conclude and to have a top tip is if you're going to try and test the acidity in a wine, swallow your wine before you open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good top tip, but it is bordering on what has Duck Boy done now. It is, it is. We'll stop yeah. next week. Next week, I won't. I'll think of a well, proper top I, tip. I'm not sure you can promise that, can you? Oh, no, I can't because next it is coming up to Duck Boy Stag Do. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I'm sure there'll be a story from that. Uh, almost certainly. Mm. Almost certainly. Hopefully he comes back. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, now I've got quite a long fun fact. In fact, mm. it's two facts in one. I would have said. A double factor. It is a double fact. And quite surprisingly, it's also golf related. Wow. Which is unusual. And this did not come from Wife of Grumpy, who is a mm. passionate golfer. So this is about holes in one. And it's a golfing tradition for those that hit a hole in one to buy the entire clubhouse a round of drinks. Mm -hmm. Back in the 1930s, so this goes back quite a long way, American golfers started started taking out Holy One insurance, paying $1.50 a year to cover a bar bill of up to $25, which is about $550 in today's money. Although the practice faded in the US, it became big business in Japan, where golfers who landed an ace were expected to throw wedding-sized parties with live music, food, drinks, and commemorative oh tree plantings. By the 1990s, around a third of Japanese golfers were shelling out between $50 and $70 a year to protect themselves against up to $3,500 in expenses. My God, they've taken it a bit far, haven't they? You're typically Japanese, really, <laughs> just yes, evolve something until it yes, becomes enormous. Now, the second story with this, again, is about holding one. So, in September 2009, Jason Hargett, a 35-year-old restaurant manager, stepped up to the tee at Red Ledges Golf Resorts in Utah. And it was the end of a charity tournament, and the big prize was on the line. Anyone mm. who sunk a hole in one would win $1 million. So, Jason took a swing. The ball cannoned 150 yards through the air, plopped onto the green, and slowly rolled back into the hole. The chances of this happening for an amateur golfer are tiny. It's less than one in 12,500. Cheers erupted from the small crowd as Haggett sprinted down the fairway in disbelief. But one person wasn't cheering, and that was the insurance company that had been hired by the organisers. That's mad! 
Yeah, I'd love to know what the premium was for that. Because yeah. Because the chances of that happening are so small. They wouldn't have. That's mad. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. But um, That is the hit of his life. It's got to be, isn't it? But yeah. $1 million, what a... Why is wife a grumpy not playing in these tournaments and coming back with a cheque for a million dollars? Because that's was in America, yes? Utah, yes. It was, yeah. So they like to take things a bit further, don't they? I don't think you'll pop down the local golf club and they'll give you a million dollars for a hole in one. There is a suggestion box at the golf club. I think I might drop something pop in there. Pop that in there. I think yeah. you'll get told where to shove it, but... Well, probably, but... Mm. Um... The... Uh... The golf club that um, Wife of Grumpy attends have a slightly less smaller tradition for holes in ones. They have a trophy that's a decanter, mm. very fancy, and the club provides a bottle of bells that goes in there. And then the person that hits the hole in one is allowed to then purchase a bottle of bells from wherever they like, but to replace it. So they can just go and get a cheapy one from on offer at oh. Sainsbury's or. Why bells and why whiskey? I don't know. It's just always Bell's Whiskey. Uh, there must be a reason. Be interested to know what the reason. Oh, you have to ask them. Mm, I'm not that interested, to be honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm, more, I'm more after the cash. Yeah, yeah. Rather than one million than a sip of Bell's. Yeah, quite. That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.